Grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm Nader Mansour and I pray this message will draw you closer to Jesus. In this study, we will be seeing how God has chosen to reveal things about the family in heaven through another process besides the revelations given in the scriptures. It's a process of nature. We will be looking at the story of Adam and Eve, a familiar story to many of us perhaps. But we will see if there are more lessons contained in the story that perhaps we did not notice at first. Lessons in the context of how God was choosing to establish the principles of heaven in the creatures that he has made on earth, in the family on earth. As we look at the story of Adam and Eve, we have already found that God has revealed in the Bible the information that tells us how the family in heaven operates. We have seen that Jesus was the master educator in this process. Jesus, the Word of God, was the one speaking through the Scriptures, revealing to mankind the principles of how heaven, as a family, operates, who is at its head, who holds it all together, and how God fills all His creatures with fullness of blessings, of joy, love, and peace. God has another book through which he also has chosen to reveal things about himself. This book is referred to in the scriptures in the following verses. Let's read and see what the Bible has to say. In Psalm chapter 19, verses 1 to 3. The Bible says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. The book we are speaking about and referring to is the book of nature. The book of nature is what God has chosen to reveal himself to us besides the scriptures. The book of nature was actually the original book through which God has chosen to reveal himself. Adam and Eve, when they were surrounded by the beauties of creation all around them, the things of nature were how God spoke to them of his love. It was through nature that God revealed that he is a God of perfect love. Everything was beautiful. Everything revealed the truth of the character of God and the principles of the operation of heaven. Sadly, as a result of sin, nature has been changed. Nature now has an element of rebellion and discord. Nature now no longer completely and perfectly reveals God's principles. It now also reveals the principles of the kingdom of Satan. It's for this reason that God has given us a clear revelation in the words of Scripture. Therefore, when we look at the lesson book of nature, we need to look at nature and be able to interpret it in light of what the Scripture has to say. We need to use the scriptures to guide us as we look at nature in order to understand from it the lessons that God has planted there and leave us apart and aside the lessons that the enemy has perverted in nature. Notice how Job gives us instruction regarding consulting this book of nature. In Job chapter 12, verses 7 to 9, the Bible says, But ask now the beasts, and they shall teach thee and the fowls of the air, and they shall tell thee. Or speak to the earth, and it shall teach thee, and the fishes of the sea shall declare unto thee. 
Who knoweth not in all these that the hand of the Lord hath wrought this? Here Job says that God, as the source of creation, is clearly demonstrated in the things of nature. Everything speaks of God as the creator. This is how it was originally in a perfect world. And this is how it still is to a large degree with the aid of the inspired record in the scriptures that helps us to understand nature aright. You see, the book of nature serves as a lesson book. It serves as an illustration book for the things contained in the scriptures. When I was studying in school, I was doing my nursing. There was a very vital subject I needed to learn. That was the subject called anatomy and physiology. In anatomy and physiology, we had to learn about the human organs and systems and how they operated. We had to read large portion, portions of text explaining each and every organ and how they worked and how they functioned and the different operations. But every now and then in the book, we would come across an illustration. This illustration was a picture of what the words were like. It was a picture of what the words were referring to. It put everything in perspective in a way that we could see. I appreciated those illustrations because they helped me understand the words better. In the same way, God has for us a textbook called the Bible. But God also has an illustration book in the book of nature. In the book of nature, we see an illustration of the principles of the scriptures. Even though marred and deformed by sin, we can still discern them with the aid of the Holy Spirit. This is why it's vital for us to look at the illustration book, to see how God has chosen to illustrate the principles of heaven in the world. Let's see how Paul consults us and tells us to do this. He gives us counsel to do this in Romans chapter 1 and verse 20. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Here Paul says, that we can understand about God's power and Godhead through the things that are made. So clear is this revelation that it can leave us, as Paul says, without excuse. We can understand more about God's character. We can understand more about God's nature by looking at the things that He hath made. This is especially so when we look at the very thing that God has said was made in his own image and likeness, that is, the creation of man, particularly Adam and Eve. You see, in the creation of Adam and Eve, God designed to reveal lessons about himself so that we might understand his power and Godhood. You see, this aspect is so important, and we need to keep it in mind as we visit the story of Adam and Eve and see what principles about the heavenly kingdom God has chosen to place in the earthly family so that no one would misunderstand it. Let's see what the scripture says regarding this point. We will begin in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 13. The Bible there simply says, For Adam was first formed, then Eve. That's a very short, simple verse, a verse that we're all familiar with. But the question we want to ask ourselves 
is this. Why was Adam first formed and then Eve? Is there any significance in this fact for us today, living approximately 6,000 years from that event? Is there any relevance to us as to why God created Adam first and then Eve? If we were to ask the question, was it possible for God to create Adam and Eve together at the same time? The answer would be an obvious yes, but God did not do that. Well, what is the reason? Keep in mind that God has implanted in nature things and lessons to teach us truths about himself. Everything that God does has a purpose and a reason underlying it. The purpose and the reason is so that we, by looking at the things of nature, might learn more of his power and Godhead. Let us see how the scriptures reveals to us answers as to why Adam was first formed and then Eve, and how this will help us understand how we can carry out these principles in our own families today. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3, the scriptures reveal to us a very interesting system of operation. It's a parallel between heaven and earth. Notice what Paul tells us. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Here Paul draws a parallel and an analogy. He is speaking about headship. He is not speaking of equality, we must keep in mind. He is speaking of positions and functions relating to family. He says that the head of every man is Christ. Then he says that the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Here Paul is drawing an analogy, and this is what we want to focus on. There is a parallel relationship between the woman and the man, the man being the head, and between Christ and the Father, the Father being the head. This aspect confirms for us that when man was created, they were created to reflect the divine original, the divine model that exists in heaven. We want to look a little closer at that. Why is it that man is the head of the woman? Why is it that God has created man in this way? Why did God constitute man to be the head, the authority over the woman? The Bible gives us the answer, and it's quite intriguing as we read it in the same chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 10. It says, For this cause ought the woman to have power or authority on her head because of the angels. Isn't that interesting? The Bible tells us that the reason why a woman has power or authority over her head, that is, her husband, the man, the reason for that is because of the angels. Well, that explains everything, doesn't it? If you are puzzled by this verse, you're not the only one. I was very puzzled the first time I read this verse. What do the angels have to do with man and woman, particularly the relationship between man and woman with the man being the head? Well, we need to see how we can answer this question. Remember, 
Everything that God does has a purpose. Everything that God created and the way he created it has a purpose. The purpose is to reveal more about himself. Here we see a reference made to the angels. We need to quickly review and see what was taking place among the angels before the creation of man. We already covered the ground, but we'll quickly review. Lucifer in heaven was among the angels. He was perfect and happy in the heavenly family. But Lucifer began insinuating and casting doubts. He started having ideas that perhaps the family in heaven was not structured in the best way. He wanted to reorganize the family in heaven. He wanted to place himself in a position of equality with God and his son, Jesus Christ. He made a direct attack on Christ because Christ held that position by nature. So uh, successful was Lucifer in sharing his ideas that a whole third of the angels were convinced to join him. In joining him, they had come to believe his lies. You see, Lucifer was questioning the very foundation of the structure of the family in heaven. He was questioning the position of the father and the son. He was questioning that which held everything together. The father being the head and supreme head of all. The son being the only begotten son. The prince and link in the chain that holds everything together. He was questioning the very foundation of the relationship that holds all things together. It's for this reason that God has chosen to answer the charges of Satan. Lucifer was successful in deceiving a third of the angels. And war broke out in heaven, and the scripture tells us that Lucifer and his angels were cast out. The angels that refused to acknowledge God's wisdom in setting up the family in heaven in a way that would guarantee the happiness of all, removed themselves from God's blessing and were ultimately cast out of heaven. The angels that chose to abide by God's principles Trusting in his wisdom that the system of heaven's government, with the father being the head and the son being in the position that he is in, was safe and secure for them and they remained loyal. But there is something that resulted from the questionings that Lucifer raised. You see, the angels that remained loyal now had questions in their mind. You see, the questions that Lucifer raised needed answers. They had remained loyal, but they now had things to think about. Why was the government of heaven set up this way? How is it that God is going to answer these questions? How is God going to remove every cause for questioning among his creatures that all may be happy? Well, the answer lies in the very next creation project that is on the plans of God. The next creation project happens to be the creation of a very unique and special race of people. They're called human beings. In the family of earth, God was going to create in illustration and by observation an answer that would indicate to all those who were watching, including the angels, how heaven was set up and how that setup is the safest and best setup for the happiness of all. You see, God was going, not going to answer the charges of Lucifer just by words. God was going to illustrate 
the operations of heaven. And this illustration was going to be revealed in the creation of Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were going to be the answer to the charges of Lucifer against the family of heaven. It's for this reason that the Bible says, man was made the head of the woman because of the angels. You see, the angels were observing closely as God created Adam first and then Eve. And in doing so, God was revealing the principles that underpin and hold together heaven. Let's look at the story of Adam and Eve with this background in mind, with the angels as the silent observers learning lessons about the government that Lucifer had called into question by attacking the position and identity of God and his dear son. We know in the scriptures that God says in Genesis 1.26, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. This is a very marvelous text. It reveals a direct principle of harmony and relationship and symmetry between mankind and between God. We know that God was here speaking in the beginning to his son, who was with him from the beginning. It was God, the father, who said to his son, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let us make man to reflect your position and my position. Let us make them in such a way so that they would have on earth a small scale model of what things are like in heaven. And this will serve to illustrate to all the watching universe, particularly the angels and the heaven, the earthly family that is just created, the principles of what heaven is like. And so Adam and Eve were created in the image and likeness of the father and the son. This is a vital point to keep in mind because the angels were observing this. When the Bible speaks about mankind being made in the image and likeness of God, it doesn't only speak on the physical level. You see, man looks like God indeed, physically, discounting the differences of gender. We're not here referring to gender when we talk about God, uh, man being made in the image of God, but we're talking about the common physical features of the man and the woman. They were to reflect the original God. Not only that, but the spiritual aspect of man, man in his moral nature, in his spirit, was also in the image and likeness of God. But notice here that God was speaking to his son when he said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And man was made male and female. In other words, the man and woman and the relationship that the man and the woman hold together was also in the image and likeness of God. You see, mankind was made in the image and likeness of God on a number of levels. The relational level is an aspect that is perhaps not commonly spoken of or noticed. The relationship between Adam and Eve was in the image and likeness of the relationship between the father and the son. This is why God, when he created mankind, he created two, one first and then the other. This reflects the original creator, the father and his son. We're going to explore that a little closer. Notice how the scriptures goes on to say in Genesis 1:27. So he created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. 
male and female created he them. Here we see that the male and the female were in the image of God. The Bible says God created him, male and female created he them. The them also reflects the original them, the father and the son. Keep in mind, who is watching the proceedings very carefully? It is the angels. The angels are receiving an, a confirmation and a deeper understanding of the principles of how the government in heaven is run, how the family in heaven is set up. And so God created Adam first, as we saw. In this model, we need to keep in mind the parallel that Paul revealed to us. We saw in 1 Corinthians 11 that the Bible says, the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Here we see a parallel relationship that gives us a little deeper the understanding of who was to reflect who. In other words, man was created to reflect the position and function and role of the father. He was made head, just as the father is head. And the woman was created to reflect the position and function and role of the son. This aspect is brought out in the creation of Adam and Eve for the purpose of the education, not only of the angels and the universe, but especially mankind. When Adam was created, he was formed first. He was made to reflect the position and function of the father. Remember, the father is the head of the family in heaven. And so Adam was going to be made the head of the family on earth. The father is the king of the family in heaven. Adam was going to be made the king of the family on earth. Notice some of these parallels that are brought out that will show us this image and likeness that God instilled in Adam to reflect particularly the position of the father. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, the Bible says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Here we see Adam was created out of dust, and God, Christ here was the active agent, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. This is the spirit of life, the Holy Spirit by which Christ holds everything together. You see, Adam was a member of the family in heaven. And as a member of the family in heaven, he received from God the spirit of life. In it is every fullness of blessing. Adam was also created to be in the unique position of reflecting the father's position. As we said, the father is both the father and king. Notice what the scriptures reveals as we continue reading. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 19, it says, And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air, and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. This is an interesting account. God brought all the animals for Adam to name. Why is it that God was doing this to Adam? The reason is, Adam was demonstrating the reflection of the position of the father. 
You see, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14 and 15, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. The whole family in heaven and earth is named by the Father. When God created Adam, He was demonstrating that Adam was going to reflect his own position. And so He causes Adam to name all the animals. The animals, the creatures, the occupants of this new kingdom are named by their king, Adam. This also illustrates that Adam possessed the very spirit and mind of God. It demonstrates that Adam thought on the spiritual level in the same way that God thinks. Remember, who is watching all the proceedings? It is the angels. As the angels observe Adam, and God brings before Adam an animal, God says, for example, Adam, what is this? Adam would say, well, this is a cow. In giving the name, Adam indicated an understanding of the function and role of every creature. The name was a fitting name for each animal. Adam, what is this? God would say, this is an elephant. And God would perhaps say, well, that's what I thought. Or, these are just my thoughts. Or, I would have called it the same thing. You see, God was demonstrating to the angels Adam's ability to think on a level like God. Adam was a demonstration for the angels that he held the position of king and ruler on the earth to reflect the position of God. This is also confirmed in the fact that the scriptures reveal this in Psalm chapter 8 and verse 6. It says, Thou madest him, that is man, to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. All things were put under the feet of Adam. He was made king because he is reflecting the position of the father as the king. This is why the scripture says, Adam was first formed. He is reflecting the position of the Father, who is the first head and the supreme king in the family in heaven. This fact shows that God is the source. He is the source of life. He is the source of life for all. He was the source of life for Adam. And when God created Adam, he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. He placed within Adam life. And he, in doing so, was making Adam a small, mini-scale object lesson to demonstrate what heaven is like. You see, when God was going to create more creatures, he was going to utilize the life that he placed already in Adam. It was the life of Adam that God gave him that would continue in the propagation of the race, thus illustrating that Adam, like the father, is a source, not in and of himself, but as a recipient of God. He was illustrating the principles of heaven's kingdom. This is brought out in the next aspect of the story when God came to the creation of Eve. When God created Eve, he did something very special and unique. God performed the very first surgery recorded in the scriptures. God put Adam to sleep and he took out of his side a rib. And the scriptures records the following for us. Genesis 
2:21 and 22. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. This is a very interesting occurrence. Keep in mind now, as we look at the creation of the woman, she was to represent the position and function and role of the Son of God. We looked at the heads, Adam and the father, and we saw the parallels between them. Now we're looking at Eve, who is to represent the position of the Son, because the father and the Son made man and woman in their image and their likeness. The Bible uses a very unique word in referring to the creation of Eve. The Bible says, he made a woman. If we look in the margin, we will find that it says, this word made actually means builded. You see, Eve was builded. Eve was not made out of nothing. Eve was not created in any way similar to the other creatures or to Adam. Eve was actually built, and her building blocks, or the material by which she was built, came from Adam. It's interesting that this reflects the position of the sun. Notice that in her being made and builded from Adam, she holds a position that nobody else holds. She is unique in how she came into being. She is the only being that came in this way. As the angels were observing, they are seeing the parallels between Eve and the position that the Son of God holds. Notice how this was clearly demonstrated in Genesis chapter 2, verse 23. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. Also, shall, she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. The Bible says she is called woman because she is taken out of man. This is where she came from. Man was her source. And the building blocks and the material that Eve was made of is that of man, which makes her bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. That makes her equal. You see, she is equal because she, in essence, inherited from man his very nature. She was made in a unique way. She has the very nature of Adam, equal to him by nature. But notice also that she has a different function and role to Adam in the family on earth. She is to reflect, reflect the position of the son, who is also equal by nature to God, yet has a different role and function and responsibility in the family of heaven. Eve is described in words as being made from man. She came out from man. God brought her out from man, which is the greatest evidence and proof of the fact that she possesses the nature of man, that is, the human nature. You know, this is what we found already about the Son of God. The scriptures reveal to us that Christ was brought forth. Notice what it says in Proverbs chapter 8, verses 24 and 25. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no fountains abounding with water. Before the mountains were settled, before the hills, was I brought forth. 
Christ was brought forth from the Father. He inherited from the Father his very nature, which makes him equal to God. You see, God in creating Adam, and particularly Eve now, was illustrating this point for the purpose of the angels to see and understand, and also for us. You know, none of the angels were present when Christ was brought forth from the Father. This is an event that happened before anything was created because all things were created by Him. Now in the story of Adam and Eve, God is illustrating what principles were involved in the fact that the Son was brought forth from Him. The principle that is key to understand is that the Son has by nature the very substance of God. He is God by nature. So much so that the scripture says in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. Christ, because of his being brought forth, is the express image of the Father's person in all the brightness of his majesty and glory. Eve was brought forth from Adam, and she is bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. You see, the angels were taking notes. The angels were learning a little of what it is like in th of things in heaven that they had not seen. God was giving a small-scale illustration. And keep in mind, this is a small-scale illustration. This is not a perfect reproduction, but it gives us principles and insights as to how things were. It is for this reason that God created Adam first and then Eve, because Adam was like the father, Eve was like the son. And the relationship between Adam and Eve, him being the head and her being the wife, the helpmeet, was also an illustration of the relationship between the Father and the Son. Notice how God demonstrates the fact that Adam and Eve are equal in nature by marrying them together. In that very first wedding ever recorded, we read the following, Genesis 2, 24. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. The man and the woman were married together. Who were the wedding guests in this wonderful ceremony? It was the angels. The angels who observed the wonderful creation of Adam and Eve. Now God demonstrates to the angels that both are equal in nature by marrying them together and uniting them and saying that they too shall become one flesh. The unity between Adam and Eve is a unity of nature. They both possess the same nature. It was to be a harmonious, happy union to reflect the union between the Father and the Son. Notice how this is brought out in John chapter 17, verse 21. They, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. The same unity that exists between the Father and the Son, Christ wants to exist among his followers. This same unity between the Father and the Son was illustrated in the union of Adam and Eve, not on the physical level, 
but in the spirit. You see, the physical represents the spiritual. Adam and Eve were one flesh. Notice how the Bible reveals to us the union between the Father and the Son when we come into union with Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 17, it says, But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. He that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Adam and Eve were one flesh, and that flesh originally was Adam's. She was a rib taken from him. The Father and the Son are one spirit. Because when we are joined with Christ, we become one with Him, just like He is with the Father. He and the Father are one in spirit, and the source of that spirit is the Father. It's the Spirit of God that flows through Christ that unites all creation. Remember, the object lesson we are looking at does not extend to gender. We have to keep that in mind so that we can rightly understand the principles that God is revealing. The union between the Father and the Son is revealed in the words of Jesus, who said, I and my Father are one. They are one in sharing the same spirit, the same divine nature, just like Adam and Eve are one flesh. Notice how this is further declared in Genesis 3 and verse 20. And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Here we see another illustration of the position of Adam as the head. The position of Adam in reflecting the father's position. Who is it that gives Eve her name? She receives her name and is named by Adam, just like the whole family in heaven and earth is named by the father. You see, it was the father that named the whole earthly family. We must keep that in mind. This is how the whole earthly family received identity from the father. But individually, God has given to Adam the prerogative and the authority to name not just the animals, but also Eve as a reflection of his own position. You see, God was illustrating clearly the principles of how heaven operates. Eve, recall, reflects the position of the son. This is indicated in the name that Adam gave her. Eve, the mother of all living. You see, every living human being who would come into this world would come directly through the agency of Eve. Notice the parallel carefully because this reflects the father and the son. Adam and Eve would join together in a union of love and this would generate more life. That life would come about directly through Eve. That's why she is called the mother of all living. She was the way through which more creatures would come, children in the earthly family. This is a direct parallel to what things are like in heaven, not in exactly the same fashion of how things take about, but the principle of the positions that are held. Notice how the scriptures reveals about Christ, that he is the one, the direct agent, through whom all things come into being. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for 
Him. All things come into being through the direct agency of the Son. The Father and the Son, in love, choose to bestow life and create more creatures and beings. This takes place directly through the agency of Christ. He is the one through whom all things are made. And this is illustrated in the fact that Adam named his wife Eve, that is, the mother of all living. This illustrates for us that the principles of heaven's kingdom were instilled and implanted in the earthly family for the purpose of demonstrating clearly to the angels and to mankind how heaven is like. You see, friends, it's only when we understand these things and implement them in our homes and in our families can we truly begin to partake of the blessings that belong to those members of the heavenly family. God has given us precious lessons in His Word. One of these lessons that is largely contested today by Satan is an attack on the position of the man and the woman in the home. That is, he has caused confusion regarding the roles and functions of the man, the husband, and the woman, the wife, in the home, in causing it not to reflect the father and the son. He has inspired women to rebel against the order of God. And he has inspired men to neglect the responsibility of the order that God gave them to be leaders in their homes, just as God the Father is the leader in the family of heaven. Notice the instruction that Paul gives. And as we read it, keep in mind that God has instilled this instruction as a reflection of the original in heaven. In Ephesians chapter 5, we read the following. Verses 22 to 24. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. This instruction has come after the fall. This instruction was God's original plan, but because of the fall, God has seen fit to maintain these principles so that man might be able to understand what heaven is like. You see, sin has not caused a total loss of God's plan for man. This was because of Jesus who stepped in to take the consequences of man's rebellion and sin upon himself so that man might be restored. The instruction of Paul for wives and husbands to lead in reflection to the position of Christ and the church is also patterned ultimately after the position of the Father and the Son. Even in the church family, which is a topic for a whole different study, is patterned after the family of heaven. But here we're looking at the family in the home, where the wife is instructed to submit to the husband. This submission has been the cause of much heartache and rebelliousness in the heart of mankind because it has been perverted and abused and sadly Satan has inspired many to rebel against this wonderful and beautiful position. Notice that the wife's position to submit to the husband as the leader and as the reflection of her position in giving glory and honor to the son whom she represents is clearly portrayed in the scriptures as the divine original. Notice also 
that as we read this passage, we need to keep something in mind. The Bible does not say that the wives are to submit to their husbands because they are less, or because they are not equal, or because they are an inferior order of beings. We saw earlier clearly that Adam and Eve are equal in nature. God married them together, and Adam recognized that Eve is bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. But the man and the woman, the husband and wife, are not equal in the functions and roles that God gave them. They have different roles and functions. They have distinct responsibilities. But this does not touch on whether they are equal to each other in God's eyes and in nature. This is precisely the reflection of what heaven is like. You see, the Son of God is equal to His Father in nature. He possesses the fullness of the Godhead bodily. But notice also that the Son of God recognizes that heaven is a family. And heaven as a family has only one head. Notice what 1 Corinthians 15, 28 reveals. And when all things shall be subdued unto Him, then shall the Son also Himself be subject unto unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. Here we see that the Son will be subject to the Father. This does not mean that it is something that will only take place in the future. We saw clearly that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This is an eternal principle of how the family in heaven runs. The Son, equal with God, recognizes that the Father is the head. He lovingly and voluntarily submits to the Father. Not because He is less, but because He loves the Father. What a beautiful lesson for the wives in the home today. When they recognize that the submission that God has called them upon to carry out in their homes is a reflection of the position of the Son. When they recognize that this submission is not an, uh, an edict of inferiority that God placed on them, but it is a high and glorious position. It is even the position of the Son of God. Wives, never be tempted to think, as Lucifer has lied to the world, that submission means inferiority or inequality. When you are tempted to do that, look to the Son of God. He is your role model. His position in the family in heaven is the position that God called wives to carry out in the home. When we understand this privilege and responsibility, it casts and creates a huge light and great pleasure and joy in understanding that God has ordained in the home a reflection of the heavenly home. This is possible when we understand that man and woman were created in the image and likeness of the Father and the Son. Fathers, remember, and husbands particularly, because husbands not necessarily are all fathers. The husbands are chosen by God to reflect the position of the father. The divine model that we see before us here, where the father as the head of the family in heaven, through whom all things flow, or from whom all things flow, and the son as his only begotten son, inheriting all things from him, and through the son, the life and spirit of God flows out to all creatures is reflected in the home on earth, where Adam was made in the image and to represent the position of the father. And from him, Eve was brought forth. And through Eve, life 
is given to new creatures that are born in this family. The Bible reveals to us the great and high calling of why God created us in the way he did. You see, it was not an arbitrary decision on the part of God to say that wives are to submit to their husbands. There is a reason behind it. The reason is not just because of the angels, but it is because Satan has today attacked the structure of the family in heaven by attacking the family on earth and the understanding of the earthly family of what things are really like. Husbands, remember, your role model is the father in your position as a husband and leader in the home. The father leads with loving compassion and wisdom, and he provides all things for the occupants of his family in heaven. Fathers, this is a great and high calling. Husbands, this is a great and high calling. You see, the father also is the one of whom are all things. He provides for all fullness of blessing. This is the position that is to be reflected in the home on earth. The son, in recognition of this position and in love to the father, submits, just as every wife is to recognize a godly wife, to recognize her calling in Christ Jesus. This is a weapon that God gives to his people in the last days. He is restoring the institution that he initially created in Adam and Eve, that sin and Satan has marred and defiled. We are not altogether without hope. Jesus is our hope. And this hope gives us a solid assurance that with his help, we can carry out these principles in our homes. Remember when Jesus was on earth, he said, I do always the things that please the Father. The Father has not left me alone, he said, for I do always the things that please him. What a wonderful motto and statement for every wife who reflects the position of the Son. Remember also that the scripture says, the Father loveth the Son and hath given all things into his hand. What a beautiful motto statement for every husband who truly loves his wife, to give to her all things. These principles are created in the human family so that we might understand the truth of what heaven was really like. Notice how the scriptures reveals the beautiful picture and how God described it at the end of creation. In Genesis chapter 1 verse 31, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Everything was very good. Why was it very good? Because it was perfect, of course. Because it was beautiful, no doubt. But it was very good, particularly because it was an exact reflection of the principles of the family in heaven. That's what made it very good. Friends, it was only very good after God had created Eve and placed her in that position that his son holds in heaven. You see, Eve holds the position that the son holds in holding all the members of the family together. We saw earlier that the mother has the unique responsibility and function of training up the children, spends the most time with them, and is the one that is to educate them and bring them up in the fear of God. This position is ultimately to the glory of God. This position finds its original in Christ, who is the one who is the outshining of the Father's glory, who is the express image of his person, the one in whose face the glory of God is seen by all the inhabitants of the universe. 
This position is a high and holy and honorable calling. Remember, Satan has attacked these principles, and God desires for us to understand the motivation and the true purpose of why He has given man and woman these differing functions and roles in the family. Satan knows this, and this is why he hates every family which is patterned after the divine model. Let us look at this table as we summarize the parallels of what we have found in the story of Adam and Eve and how that parallels with the father and the son. Notice how the father and the son, it says that the son comes from the father as we read. He was begotten of the father and Eve comes from Adam. This is a parallel that we have examined. Notice also how the father is the head of Christ as we read and man was made the head of the woman. These reflections of these roles indicate that God had a purpose and a plan when He created mankind. He did things for a reason, and one of those reasons was because of the angels. You see, in looking at the human family, the angels were to learn better and more about the family in heaven. It was desi designed to dispel any lingering or remaining questions in their minds that Lucifer brought up when he questioned the position and identity of the Father and the Son. Mankind was the answer. And it's for this reason that Lucifer has a special hatred for mankind. Because mankind was the answer to his false charges. And every home that is patterned according to the divine model is a dispelling and an unmasking of the lie of Satan. It proves Satan a liar. This is why he hates these principles so passionately. Let's continue and see what other parallels we looked at. The son is the express image of the father. He has this by inheritance. And Eve was a helpmeet. She inherited the human nature from Adam. Notice also that Christ is equal because of his relationship with God as a son. He and the father are one in spirit. Notice also how Adam and Eve are equal through their relationship in that they are both one flesh. They both possess equally the same nature. Notice also how all things are made or created through Christ and all humans come through the direct agency of Eve. The father is the head of the heavenly family and Adam was made the head of the earthly family. And every husband is made a head of his family. These are the principles that we learn in the story of Adam and Eve. It's for this reason that the scriptures reveal to us the high and holy calling. You see, I want to emphasize a point here that I hope you will not miss. The angels are still learning these lessons. The scriptures reveal this to us. Notice this passage, and as we read it, I want you to think of the great privilege that you and I have in being what the scripture reveals to us. Let's read it and have a look. In 1 Corinthians 4.9, the scripture says, For I think that God hath set forth us, the apostles, last, as it were, appointed to death. For we are made a spectacle unto the world, and to angels, and to men. We are made a spectacle. We, believers, are made a spectacle. What does the word spectacle mean? It means something that is observed, like a drama like a theater. We are, as it were, on a stage, a theater, 
And the observers in this theater are the world and angels and men. God has called upon us in our homes to be a spectacle of what heaven is like. What an awesome and high privilege. I want to ask you, how many lessons have the angels learned about the truth of the Father and the Son in your home? Do they see you, husbands, leading as the Father leads? Do they see you fulfilling the high and holy privilege that God gave you? Do they see you as wives, submitting and loving your husbands, recognizing that Christ, as the Son of God, is your example? I like to picture it as angels who follow us in our homes, taking notes busily. Do they take notes because they see a true reflection? Or do our actions in our home drive the angels away? The Bible says we are made a spectacle unto the world and to angels unto men. What spectacle is being revealed in your home? Is your home of such a nature that the angels feel in it just at home? as if they are in the heavenly home? Do they see in the structure of leadership and guidance that God instituted in the home a reflection of the home in heaven? Or do they see a marred and defiled image? Do they see an image that is corrupted and changed where the husband does not recognize his high privilege, where the woman does not obey the instruction that Jesus demonstrates in the heavenly family? These things drive the angels away. When we follow the law of life, the principles that God designed for mankind, it attracts the angels to us. You know, the angels in heaven might converse with each other and they might relate to each other the wonderful truths that they learn perhaps in your home. You know, one angel might say, you need to visit the home of brother and sister such and such. You will see there a true reflection of here. You will like it so much, it will feel like home. These thoughts perhaps do not happen in exactly the same way I am saying, but they are a revelation of an insight that perhaps we did not note before. We do not perhaps think of angels in our homes observing us as a spectacle. This spectacle was designed by God to dispel in the minds of all observers, angels and others, the questions that Lucifer raised against the government of God. You see, men and the roles of mankind are the answer. God is designed that these questions will be dissolved in the angels' minds. This is why the scripture says, For this cause ought the woman to have power or authority over her head because of the angels. This lesson is vital for us to learn. The angels are far in advance of us in learning this lesson. And yet God has given us a privilege and a responsibility to reveal these principles in a way that angels cannot. You see, angels cannot marry. Angels do not have the position of husband and wife like we have. Ours is a unique and high calling. A calling that the scripture reveals is in the image and likeness of God. You understand now why Satan is attacking the family in such a passionate and hateful way? Because families will answer his lies. Families will be the weapon that God is using in the last days to unmask the principles of Satan's kingdom. These weapons 
are given to each and every man and woman who desire to follow God's example. You see, very soon the lesson will be learned by everyone. This demonstration will soon come to an end. The lesson of the truth about the family in heaven, the position of the Father and the Son, will fully be settled in each and every mind, whether for or against. When the lesson is finished, all things that are designed to be teaching tools in this lesson book will come to an end. To illustrate it, when we have a workbook or a lesson book that we are working on in school, when we get to the last page, we are finished with the lesson. When we fill in the last question, we close the lesson book and place it on the shelf. We have learned the lesson. We understood the lesson. And the teaching tool is now no longer needed if we have truly learned the lesson. In the same way, God's design for the principles of the family in heaven in the marriage relationship for man are the lesson book, the instruction guide that is given for the world and the angels and men. When the time comes when this lesson will have been learned, the lesson book will no longer be needed. This helps us understand the statement of Jesus that is much misunderstood today when he said to the Sadducees in answer to their question the following in Luke chapter 20 verses 34 to 36. And Jesus answering said unto them, The children of this world marry and are given in marriage, but they which shall be accounted worthy to obtain that world and the resurrection from the dead, neither marry nor are given in, in marriage, neither can they die any more. For they are equal unto the angels, and are the children of God, being the children of the resurrection. You see, the lesson that is contained in the marriage will have been learned. In heaven and in the new earth, we will no longer be given in marriage, but we will be like the angels. The reason is the principles of the government of heaven, the principles of the family kingdom have been fully vindicated by that time. We will no longer be individual families all on our own, but we will be members of the royal family of heaven, where all of us will have one head, the Father. All of us will be subject to Him. All of us will receive from Christ the fullness of blessing that is the lot of each and every member of that family. It is for this reason that Jesus says those words. Friends, we are not yet at that time. The lesson is still continuing. And I pray and I challenge you that you will have in your home a correct lesson book for the observing world and the angels and men. Time is short. We have precious few moments to redeem the time and follow God's instruction in our homes, for that is the only guarantee to our happiness and to our joy. And when following God's instruction, we will see it is the only way to give joy and happiness and security and satisfaction to our children. Children pattern after the parents. God wants them to learn what heaven is like. Husbands and wives, I challenge you that you will take these things to heart and remember the high calling that you have in the roles that are in the home that God has designed just for you. May God bless you richly in Jesus. 
If you were blessed by this message, remember to subscribe and share it with others. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Your prayers and support are appreciated. May God richly bless you through His Son, Jesus.